Now it started. Okay. Well, repeat it. No. Repeat. Why not? There, the, Jeff said it landed like a lead balloon. That doesn't, doesn't mean we don't have to. <laughs> we should we should let it land, uh, bad as it may be. There ain't no party like an East Coast party because an East Coast party don't stop. And that was just out of the blue. Yeah. Said to me, and uh, so I I didn't get it. Um, but hey, I I've had jokes that have landed poorly before too. Yes. It happens. All right. Silence. Let's move on then. <clears throat> I didn't. I mean, it's not worth talking about. American Vandal won a yes. Peabody. The, a Peabody. A Peabody. Um, this is standing use of ball hair. <laughs> I have been pushing this show on everybody mm-hmm. because I think it was so great, and this is just uh, like valediction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, watch this show. It's really yeah. good. It is, yeah. It won in the entertainment category, as as one would hope. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> it didn't win as like best filmmaking in a documentary or something. Well, I mean, it's I, you know part of the reason it won was because of the things that I was talking about, which was it. It's very funny. It satirizes its its subject extremely well, and then it also gets into nuance and, and says something mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, you know, so that, that pulls it all together into something more than just a big dick joke, which it absolutely is. <laughs> it's like one of one of the, and that in, in in a way makes the dick joke even funnier. Yes. So it's the Peabody you know, awarding to one of the best dick jokes ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Proof that the dick joke is probably the the distillation of our culture. <laughs> Nice. So, I, so. Bo- I got uh, a new table saw, a new old table saw last year from Heather's um, grandfather. Mm-hmm. It's a 80s style, maybe late 70s style craftsman table saw. And I kept it over my old table saw because it had a lot bigger table on it. But the they had a tiny little blade on it. I wasn't too impressed with the cutting of it, but the table, you know, you have table saw. The table's kind of important. That's the whole big, like, first part of it. Yes, exactly. And most of, of the table saw is the table. Yes, exactly. The saw's just three mo- so, extra letters. So last week I realized that the blade on the table saw was... a. The table saw is supposed to have a 10-inch ten ten inch blade, but it had a 7 and a quarter inch blade. It kind of goes on a circular saw. So, you know, someone who used it last, my Heather's uncle, you know, put a dinky blade on it and i didn't quite realize it didn't have the right blade for a while and i thought because it was an older style saw it just didn't have as big of a blade and and whatever and uh, you know cut okay but nothing to really write home about and then i'm like well and then i realized oh i should get the real right blade for it the right size blade so i start looking at blades and blades like run the gamut in prices you can get a blade for 15 dollars mm-hmm. or you can get a blade for 150 dollars Yep. And, you know, I was doing some research and whatnot, and I went cut it around the middle. I got a $70 table saw blade for it. Oh, my God. Does it make a difference? So it is something to write home about. <laughs> it is something to write home about now. <laughs> yeah, so I bought this um, Italian, I forget, it's like Fruin or something, but it's Italian-made. Oh, you got a Fruin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from from Plumba, Plumbus Co. Um 
has, you know, it, but you know, this thing has like carbide teeth. It has laser cut stress reliefs in it to keep it from vibrating and things like that. Jesus. But uh, man, does it cut! And that's what you really want a saw to do. And then I got a couple other things to help, like the 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 insert that goes around the blade. I got a new one of those that you kind of it's called a zero clearance. So like you actually clamp it down. And you raise the blade up so it cuts the slot. So the, the slot on the table saw is just as big as the blade instead of it, you know, the one that comes with the factory is kind of a bit bigger to handle. And right. it's metal. So this one's kind of a heavy plastic. So I put that on and then I put um, um, a curve keeper on the back so like it keeps it from binding on the blade. So that, that was mostly for safety. Because um, you don't have that. We talked about this, I don't know, 400 episodes ago stuff? probably. Yeah. The, salt salt stops are yeah. really expensive. Yeah, I mean, compared to losing a finger, it's a good deal. But um, you can you can be safe with a table saw, uh, and that's why I'm printing a push block, right? You know, <laughs> so just to be even more safe with it. But yeah, it was thirty bucks for this. Like I was watching videos of people making stuff with wood, right? And all the good table saws, you know, you have the blade that comes out of the table, and then behind the blade there was this little curved thing that was like almost like a fender for the blade right on the back side of it okay and i'm like what is that what's that for why do all the new good table saws have that and that's the thing that keeps the cut open instead of you know instead of like after you do a cut the wood might try to shrink back together a little bit and grab on the back of the blade and that's mm. when you get things like kickback and the stuff where fingers come come off um so there's a company that makes kind of an aftermarket kit for old table saws to put something like that on. So I installed that today as well. So now I got a table saw that cuts like butter, safer. You can use that on the fabric I brought. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I think use a good pair of shears on that. Uh, so I brought two. So they're, I guess they're about, I don't know, four feet or so tall. But I bought, so I got. Uh, eight feet each, two eight feet things. So that, that should be able to make. My idea was, you know, because it needs to be six feet by six feet to cover up just the window. So mm-hmm. I was thinking like seven feet by seven feet, or or maybe a little larger, with the six feet by six feet you know, having some felt around it. Okay. And then yeah, I'm talking on, about the blinds, the great right. And then on the edge, make. Like the thing with the the magnets in a, if possible, and I should have thought about this and maybe gotten like a, a metal rod or something to stick in there so that the it'll stay straight with the magnets and the magnets won't. Yeah, I mean, you could get some of that strip magnet, you know, it'd be long. Well, that that's going to be on the wall. I'm going to put oh, okay. tape strip magnets on the wall, but those magnets that I gave you mm-hmm. will... Yeah, I mean, you could, we can make a pocket, right? Yeah. Put in a magnet, sew it shut. Right. Put in another magnet, sew it shut, right? And, you know, and space out those seams to keep it, keep them spread up, so. Okay. Just do it that way. That'll work. But, yeah, there's no, like, big rush on this. And I, I just wanted to have the material because I had the time to buy it, but um, mm-hmm. I didn't want, I don't want you to be, like, be forced into doing this for me you know whenever you have whenever you're free and you're available and if you need me to come up and help you or you want me to do it want me to help you i certainly will yeah no i'll make you do the work or some of the work <laughs> um go home 
make a accurate drawing with dimensions of the window and where the curtain rod is and things like that just so we have all that information um, okay and then we can work from there but you know get it you know at least down to an inch if not a quarter inch so yeah. we'll do mm, let's see so there's a couple interesting stories that, that I saw that I sent to you I don't know if you've looked at them I saw the um, shrimp one the krill one yeah and actually I heard about that one before you send it to me. So that one's interesting. This one is talking about uh, mixing of the ocean. Because when you have ocean mixing from up to down and down to up. It does some things. It cycles nutrients. But it also helps sequester. It's, it's good or bad, right? It's good for us. Because it helps sequester carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Kind of bad for the ocean. Because I think that means it's going to speed how fast the ocean acidifies um and you know oceanographers have certain ways that they in certain rates that they feel that the ocean cycles and then there was this guy from was it mit right he's some research stanford stanford that's it and um and he's kind of a fluid he's like a fluids guy or something mm -hmm. he's not an oceanographer and you know, they know that like every night, all the krill in the ocean, all the shrimp in the ocean, they make this journey from the from deep to the surface and whatnot. And none of the oceanographers thought that it could do like they scoffed. I mean, at these them. are really these are they, tiny, they tiny things. They scoffed at the idea that there'd be any impact from right. what the krill did. And this fluids guy was like, "Well, if you get a bunch of bunch of them together, you know." It's kind of, you know, like, uh, it amplifies the effect, you know, because they're all in the same, you know, it's like them on, you know, on the freeway. They're all drafting on the freeway type mm -hmm. thing. And um, and he measured it, and it actually does make a substantially outsized impact on the currents. This, this, was, this was the image that got me most, which is an image where I guess they used some dye or something to to show the turbulence created by a single one of these sea monkeys, which okay. they use as a model organism for this. And this is Navier Stokes here. I mean, this is, this is all, you know, turbulence equations in terms of what's, what's going on, but it's, it's fascinating. The idea that it is very similar to a lot of things where the micro, when you put a lot of it together has a macro effect. In this case, there's actually like all these tiny shrimp or uh, crustaceans, other stuff of plankton that because there are so many of them, they create kind of a jet of water that actually changes how the ocean behaves. It is mm -hmm. um, like a, a, a like like locusts, right? Like like a like locusts through through the air that it will actually change the uh, weather patterns. Mm -hmm. One of the things I heard, and I, not I'm not saying this because I think it's true. It's an interesting thing to think about. I'm curious if it's true, but I'm skeptical that it's true. Is back in the day when I watched a lot of NASCAR, I remember them talking about how there's a theory, like especially on the the small tracks, like where they tight ovals in a stadium, where that when the race got going, it, they felt that it would create 
some kind of vortex and it would help keep the weather away like with the cars running in ovals you know again it seems like the krill right it seems like it wouldn't make enough effect Mm -hmm. but you know until you do the research but you know there's kind of a theory like a an old wives right racing that you know get the race going because once they start running in circles you know there'll be like a a vortex or some kind of pressure. You'll have, you have keep, high pressure in the area because it's pushing yeah, all the air, the air yeah. around that it is going to force the weather, keep the weather out, yeah. around it. I suppose if the weather is not too drastic, you know, like a hurricane won't, won't, no, won't no, uh, just, but I mean, as soon as there's a little bit of rain, they have to stop the race, mm-hmm. right? Cause they're on racing slicks. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I always thought that was, but I heard of them like, come on. There's no way that 43 cars driving in a circle can can do that. Yeah, th- this is not 43 these uh, these little guys. This is yeah. you know millions upon millions of these things at once that we're talking about in terms of the the ocean stuff. So I mean more than like countless trillions. Like, trillions. trillions. <laughs> uh so I I don't know. I mean the the, the thing is with the It's it's the kind of thing that you really have to test, mm-hmm. and the first thing you you would probably want to do is test at small scale, see what that looks like small scale in fluid dynamics, and then see if and then myth with busted. micro machines, right? <laughs> right, but I mean, like put into a, a, a yeah, put into a fluid of some sort, mm-hmm. like and like a water, and and just see what the flow looks like, just to give you an idea. I mean, water is too is much more viscous than air, so it's not mm-hmm. going to be the same. But at least you'll get some idea of, even if there is something on that scale. Who knows? It's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with uh, with this. I mean, this is all gets down to statistical mechanics and all types of of. Uh, Roads you can follow down if you want to. Not roads, not roads that I followed down in my study. So I, I am mm-hmm. the bare minimum of understanding of this stuff, uh, which would put me in the lines of probably like uh, middle of high school. <laughs> that that's about my understanding right. level. So not saying that I'm I'm by any means an expert here, but I know enough to to recognize it. I suppose. Reminds me, I, I have something hanging in my on my wall now. I got some other. I got some stuff. One of the things I have hanging on my wall is the uh, Einstein field equations. Really, just just the big one for general relativity, because there are sixteen of them. Mm-hmm. But here's the general relativity equation. I will pull it up for you. That one. Okay. Okay. Really, it's just this part. Uh, and I will, and, and I will admit to you that I don't know what this part means over here. You know, it's funny. So you're showing me this equation. You're talking about how you have it hanging on the wall. I'm not sure if you've seen this thing, but like a thing that's getting, that's popular in home decorating is like getting vinyl stickers of like home, family, love. Yeah. yeah. Stick those on the wall. You know, well, I got this vinyl cutter here <laughs> so we could cut out some Einstein equations and put them up on the wall with vinyl stickers. Um, 
This is all I want. I, I just, you know. But the interesting thing here is, okay, so I know what the symbols roughly mean. This is mm-hmm. Ricky's uh, curvature. This is Ricky's scalar. Uh, and this is uh, the, the Einstein tensor. This side is the side that I do understand, though. So this side is 8 pi big G over C to the fourth times T mu of U. Uh, that... The, the interesting thing about this, though, is do you... Well, I'll ask you, and I'm not, I don't know what I'm expecting here, but do you see anything interesting about that side of the equation? Um, Because I'll tell you what I see. G's gravity, right? Yep. It's T time. No, T is not time. T is not time. No, that is okay. uh, a tensor. So that's a four by four matrix. Okay. Um, Think about it as vectors and pointing in four. So directions. you have and C is speed of light, right? Yes. Okay. So you still have gravity over the C to the fourth. Mm-hmm. And there's a circle in there. Mm-hmm. And well, there's eight circles in there, and there's. Well, really, there's four because it's eight pi. Oh, okay. And you remember, two pi is a circle. That's right. right? That's right. Hmm. Okay, so four circles, and you got four times this, or well, speed of light time, or to the fourth. Mm-hmm. And you got gravity. Yep. But what what's interesting about all of those? Of that whole term. 8 pi big G over C to the fourth. I'll give you a hint. G, big G, is the gravitational constant. C is the constant for the speed of light. Mm -hmm. Pi is just a number. 8 is just a number. Constant, constant. Constant, constant. These are all constants. Okay. That means this is just a scaling factor. This is just there to make this match that. This is just a number. Okay. So I mean, you sure. you set this to uh, to natural units, where g is one and c is one. It's eight pi. You know that <laughs> this is. This is just a scaling factor. That whole big thing, you can, you can pull that out of the equation, or you can you know throw it on the other side, whatever you want to do with it, because it's just a constant. So that that is what struck me about it is that that's just there to scale it up right. It's not part of the mechanics. What's the mu do? This this defines the directions of your tensor. So this is the stress energy tensor. So you're defining basically. Energy density and uh, shear stress in four directions: x, y, z, and time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're taking that, putting it by a very tiny number, right? Because g is pretty small and c is very big. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a very energy density of a very small area of space time, and that tells you, essentially, this is giving you the value of what the energy is and how it's moving. That side. And this side is telling you how space-time is curving based on that. 
Okay, so the uh, eight pi. Yeah. You said that's four circles. Is that four? Have anything to do with the four dimensions? I believe it does. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Because one of those things, you, by, by looking at an equation like that, you can sometimes pull out these things. Even if you don't know the, what the rest of the equation means, you can still say, well, I know that. <laughs> and I know what that does. And the fact that those are all constant means that, that that is just there to scale something up or put something in the right dimension. Also, add the units. What's the triple equals thing mean? Uh, is the same as. Is the same as. I see. Cool. Yes, I thought so. Um, what else? Anything else happen? Uh, <laughs> um, Penguins haven't been playing on Saturday nights, so that's nice. The playoffs. Yeah, they've been playing last two Fridays. They lost last night. They could have, could have, they could have closed out the series against the fucking Flyers. The fucking Flyers. What? What's their lead? It's uh, three to two now. So they still have two more games to do it. Oh, we used to complain about how like most of the teams in the NHL made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year, if Seattle gets their expansion team. Less than half the teams will make the playoffs. How many teams are there? There's 31. Mm-hmm. I guess so half the teams will make the playoffs if there's one more team. <laughs> it's still half the teams. <laughs> Sounds fair to me. <laughs> Back in the day, like when I started watching hockey... When there were like eight teams? Well, there was... Yeah, eight teams that didn't make the playoffs, uh-huh. and sixteen that did. Yeah. No, it, it it is. It does seem kind of kind of, I don't know. It, it's just it's just weird coming from a you know from the perspective of baseball, mm-hmm. where it's entirely different. Like there are twenty something teams and that that make it. And they expanded it since you know since then, but not too much. There's. Uh, there's still only 12 teams that make the playoffs out of, you know, out of all of them. And it's, uh, and even some of those are just one game playoffs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, every, so everyone makes the playoffs in hockey and baseball, fewer teams make the playoffs, but most of the, so there's the one game playoffs for the, well, there's the wild card. That's the wild card, yeah. Right. Is there a shorter series early on? Yes, there's there's the the league championship series, or no, no, there's the a division series, which is best three out of five. Okay, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it seems like a good happy medium because, like in football, I mean, football is a brutal sport, right? You can't play a ton of games, right. but it always seemed weird to me that like the playoffs are a one game. Yes, <laughs> you know, it just seems like that's not enough. That's not a playoff. I mean. I mean, it is, right? Basketball, like the uh, the NCAA tournament's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but, you know, I, I, I like hockey. I like the baseball where you, you have 
two teams that play each other many times. Yeah, multiple times. It's statistically and, it's a more it, it's a better representation. Yeah. And in hockey, you know, it it gets you know the teams pretty much despise each other by the right. end of the series. So it's you know it's it's a, because hockey is also a brutal game too. There's a lot yeah. of like. Mm-hmm. A lot of aggression. Yes. <laughs> a lot of aggression in that game. Uh, that's not to say that, I mean, there's blood on, on every, in every sport. Right? There's, mm-hmm. there's pushing around and jostling and even in baseball. Uh, not a huge amount of it, but it's it exists. Right. Um, basketball, a lot of bumping around. Yeah, I wonder how many teams make the basketball playoffs. Because they play best of seven series. Yeah, I don't know. Neither do I. All I know about basketball is you only have to watch the last five minutes of any Because <laughs> 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 that's when all the interesting stuff happens. It's funny because it's true. I mean, there are outliers where some games... But yeah. I've I've barely ever watched any basketball, so... Um, I wouldn't know. It's almost like baseball. Like, like, I think I could, I think I know how to watch a baseball game better than I know how to watch a basketball game. Mm, yeah, I. W- I mean, except I for maybe it- basketball and hockey have some more similarities back, you know, back and forth, and you know, not losing possession and things like that. But, um, you know, it took a while. Like you had to actually point out to me, like how to watch a baseball game. Yeah, you know, like watch the pitching duel battle and mm-hmm. stuff like that and it definitely makes the game more interesting than just you know eight. you're waiting for something to happen and you don't know what's what's going on yeah yeah the, the pitches the pitch instead of instead of the pitches just being downtime waiting for a hit you know because before you told me i thought you know the only time baseball is in play is after the batter hits the ball, mm-hmm. and it's like, the, are the fielders going to make the play? Is the runner going to make yeah. the play? You know, you never, I never thought, I never saw the pitching and catching as part of the game. And I, I agree, it's not really, it's not taught that way in terms of, of I mean, if you just go to it from from an outside, but I guess that's true of any sport. If you just come from an outside, yeah. you're not sure you're not sure what to look. Well, that's at. it. That, that'd be the thing with basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Since I have very little experience watching basketball, I think I know all the rules, but uh, or at least majority of the rules, the important rules, you know. But there's there's nuance. Like in watching hockey, especially like when you're at a game, you can you can see what's happening behind the play. Mm-hmm. You can see how the plays are developing much better than you can on TV. Yeah, and and things like that. And I'm sure in basketball is the same way. Once you learn how plays are developing, you can kind of, kind of, instead of watching where the ball is, you're actually watching where the important stuff is, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily where the ball is. I think baseball it helps to watch it live for for two reasons. One is because you get a better view of of the overall field, but also you get it, uh, <clears throat> you get an appreciation for what the batter's going through in some sense. You see how fast that pitch actually comes in, right? You see, it's it's hard to see in the view from a television how fast that ball goes, just to get an idea. <clears throat> and it seemed like when you're there at the at the park, you you start to see more, oh, this is, mm-hmm. this is instantaneous. This is, that's I, all I've they have. I've been to a few Pirate games the last couple of years, and I, I still stick with my 
my statement that watching minor league baseball is more fun. Okay. <laughs> it's well, there's a couple of things. I mean, you're so close to the game. Yes. You know, the minor league stadium. And then, you know, I don't know. I enjoy that. And you probably think, you know, these people don't deserve to be playing baseball. But when, no, you know, there's a play, when there's a play to the, you know, a fly to the outfield, right? Like, will he catch it? Won't he catch it? I don't know. It's it's more exciting, more interesting than, you know, watching pop fly to, you know, the Yankee center fielder who, like, catches, you know, uh, 990 out of 991, you know. Sure. This, this is what always happens to me with, with my pencils, by the way. You see that the lead just pops out like that. I don't know why. Push too hard. Uh, maybe. Um, I, I think that there there's something to say for that. My dad, I know, loves going to... When he goes to Cape Cod, the, he, they stay right next to... Like, within walking distance of where the Cape Cod... One of the Cape Cod leagues play. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that is all guys who um, are, like, in the system and may eventually play in the yeah, majors. Yeah. So... And he loves going to those. And he, he absolutely loves it. I... I I'm not interested. I, but you know that all started after I lost interest in baseball and stuff like that. Yeah. So maybe if if I was still interested, I've been to a couple. So up up on the lake shore in Erie, like but near Cleveland, there's a couple of teams. And actually, one year when we come back from vacation, we I don't think we watched two games that trip. But I mean, I've been to two games up there. Um, one time when I was in Raleigh for NetApp. Um, Sean Lily Wilson, who's was opening Full Steam Brewery, took me to a Durham Bulls game. Mm. You know, and that's a cool stadium. So that was fun. Oh, and, and his seats were like three rows behind home plate. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the Durham Bulls, I and mean, I don't even know who their farm team for anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the 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 thing about the majors is that you get to see players who are on the top of their game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so it, when something does happen, it can be really exciting. But it's a, it it is a different experience. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's also a more um, festival type atmosphere. It seems like at a minor. So definitely game. looser. Yeah, you know, and I don't know. I just I enjoy those. Well, it's like it's like going to a a little concert, you know. It's outside, and mm-hmm. your friends are walking around. You you know talking versus going to a big stadium yeah. concert, where yeah, it's it's. If that concert isn't really impressive, then you're not going to enjoy the stadium experience as much as the small town, right? But I get what you're saying. Players top of the game, right? When you're when you see those infield plays, you know, like someone getting thrown out mm-hmm. at a base or something like that and you know it's a throw that you know almost nobody could make you know I, I get what you're saying I get why that could be exciting and amazing to watch I just I don't know the games the Pirates games that I've been to there hasn't been enough of those yes and you know usually I'm sitting in the cheaper seats like on the bleachers in the outfield so mm-hmm. you don't get a good view of those infield plays anyway right maybe that's why maybe I just gotta maybe. buy better tickets you've been to it with the with the tickets that I get those are good seats. Tickets that you get from from work. Remember, we went. I think we went last year. Behind, like first base line. No, I don't think I went. Oh, well, this year my parents are okay. Are coming. 
but I have one extra ticket if you would like to come. <laughs> <laughs> when is it? Uh, July, no, June 18th, Sunday. Okay. That might be when we're headed out on vacation. I'll have to check. No, it'd be, it'd be fun to, um, see a game with Greg. I'm not sure if I've ever been to a game with you. I don't think I have. Huh. Now, the last it. couple times I've been to Pirates games has been with coworkers, and usually, you know, we're out in the bleacher seats. Um, I should see. So it is on the seventeenth on Father's Day, June seventeenth. Okay, yeah, we'll see. Father's Day might be a hard day to get away. (laughs) Let me show you if I have some pictures from the seats that uh, I have, or I guess my my company has, and Mm -hmm. basically, um, it's just given out to to us, and so we get like two games a year. And sometimes, uh, not sometimes, not even that. But let me see. I have to go. Huh. When was the last time I went? Here we go. Okay. Yep. Definitely never sat on that side. The one time I sat on the infield was on the third base side. Okay. So yeah, they're they're good seats. Mm-hmm. Um. They're not. They're you know twenty rows back on the on uh, from home plate on the first okay. baseline. Cool. Um. Yeah, I'll let you know, but I wouldn't expect to be available on Father's Day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we do a show? Uh, yeah, sounds All good. Right.